Oh, there's no doubt the scene could be something out of Charles Dickens. Remember Scrooge and the visit from the second spirit? The spirit tells Scrooge to touch his robe, and suddenly the two are right in the midst of the city's bustling lanes. Happy passers-by are delighting in the heavenly sights inside the shops and, oh, the smells and all the holiday joys. If we touch the side of our noses, as a certain someone does, we might find ourselves in the festive streets here in Wellsboro at the start of any given December. We'll be swept up in the dickens of a Christmas celebration all around us. And what to our wondering eyes should appear but Victorian costumed characters mingling among the crowds, creating a warm and vibrant feeling reminiscent of a Christmas in London from Dickens' day. These animated costumed characters are actors from Hamilton Gibson Productions, and they may just invite us to attend one of their many weekend performances of A Christmas Carol as they pass by. But, of course, there could be no such crowds, no such merriment in 2020. Imagine their dismay at the thought of having to stay put of not venturing out into the jolly crowds to actually immerse themselves as they love to do in and among their audience for the day. Excuse me, excuse me, and all that smiling and eye contact and good wishes and goodwill. The Dickens experience is simply symbolic of the power of live theater when actors and audience members share the same space. And of course, these actors, when they were able to, did invite people in for a performance or two during the summer on a very limited basis. But what to do? How to keep the chemistry alive? That's been the dilemma facing most theaters worldwide. Here in Tioga County, Hamilton Gibson Productions has taken as its theme this year, Together in 21. They're waiting for the time everyone can come together in one room to join with others in experiencing live theater. Thomas Putnam, Hamilton Gibson Artistic Director, is hoping the new series of performances on Zoom that begins this weekend will help to fill people's need to be together. We had a chance to speak by phone with Thomas Putnam about the company and what they'll be presenting over the next two months. Hamilton Gibson Productions celebrated its 30th season uh, in 2020, celebrated, I think, maybe may have to qualify that term a little bit since our planned celebration for 2020 was slightly changed from what we had hoped. But in any event, we're a community theater, community performing arts group in Tioga County, Pennsylvania, uh, centered primarily in Wellsboro. And we began very small uh, in a farm implement garage a number of years ago, and since then have grown to have anywhere from five to eight main stage productions every year, and we have a children's choir program, we have programming for senior citizens, and we have a number of camps, uh, both in the winter and the summer for kids. So it's, uh, we're busy, and we have incredible community support. And our whole goal is simply to provide opportunities for people, uh, all ages, to be able to enrich and empower their lives through community.
community performing arts. Actually, that's our mission statement. And uh, so everything we do kind of filters through that that mission statement. And so far, I think we've been uh, pretty successful. And you are an organization committed to developing new talent. We just received word that you're inviting women to take part in a playwriting workshop. You used that word, encouraging, in your mission statement, right. and that's another sign of that. We started a women's project about five years ago, and that has just really grown. And as you say, it is an opportunity. We realize that there are far more women than men who audition for uh, our productions. And strangely enough, well, maybe not strangely enough, but it just seems as if, I don't know if there's any research actually been done, that there are more roles for men in plays than there are for women. And so we've tried a number of different projects every year, and uh, this one that you just referred to is one that is actually a year-long project with looking for women playwrights, local people, all local. We're really committed to local talent, local people, providing opportunities for local people. So there will be workshops and writing. They're all monologues. They're going to be about local women, dead or alive, and then they'll be directed by women and, and performed by women. So we are always, always looking for new people, and in this case, like a monologue, a short monologue is much more perhaps accessible to people who have never been on stage before because it's it's not quite the full commitment that a full play might be. So that's that the final product of that will be in November, but the first workshop for that is coming up here pretty soon. Congratulations on that 30th anniversary. And so what happened when everything came grinding to a halt? Well, we had a full, a full season. Uh, we planned just about a year in advance for the following year, and we go by calendar year. So we had uh, a lot planned and a, a number of main stage plays and so forth. So when February came around, we began realizing that we may actually have to consider the possibility of canceling something. And so we thought, well, if the schools close, we'll have to close our doors. And I didn't think that would ever happen. Of course, shortly after that, it happened. So we canceled, well, we didn't say we were canceling them. We just said that we were rescheduling them. We could do nothing in the spring, and our choirs take, a, children's choirs take a performance tour every year, and so that had to be canceled, no spring concert. We had a big musicals, um, one in May and one in July. South Pacific was the one in summer. Everything was pretty much just put on hold. And we were able, when things kind of opened up in July, we were able to perform one of them uh, that we had scheduled for earlier in the spring in July with a very reduced number of seats in the audience. And everybody was masked and everybody was distanced, but people were eager to, to still take advantage of that. And so we had full houses, uh, we can say that, uh, even though... <laughs> The full house number was much smaller than what our usual full houses are. And then uh, we did a, we always have a radio festival every year, and in August we were able to do those, but we did them completely streamed, no live audiences. In the fall, we had two plays that we substituted for larger cast plays, and these were just 
then as things really started to get bad here in Tioga County, we just realized we had to cancel everything. So the rest of the year, all of our Christmas programming and so forth, we do a lot around Dickens of a Christmas, which is a huge festival here in Wellsboro. We're on the streets, and we give eight performances of A Christmas Carol that just that weekend throughout the day. And the whole weekend, we had to cancel everything. So it's been a, a huge adjustment and a temptation to get discouraged. But thankfully, we have not gotten discouraged. Uh, we've had incredible support from sponsors who stuck with us all through last year, even though the performances or the productions that they were hoping to sponsor had to be rescheduled or postponed or, in many cases, just canceled. But we're continuing on, and uh, we're going to make it through somehow. That's a tremendous report, though, Thomas, to know that you have the support of your community and of sponsors and that they understand and want you to prevail and will help you as best they can to do that. Now, how do you think then, because everything is still a question mark, what are you doing in the interim until the curtain can be really raised again? Yeah. Well, I'm not I'm not a real fan of streamed performances, although I've seen some really good ones here in the last year. But in order for a performance to be streamed and have it anywhere close to effective, I think it's got to be really high quality of technology. And we don't have that kind of technology. So we've kind of avoided the full streaming thing that some theaters are going to. And also through all of this, we're realizing just even more clearly how important the connection is with a real audience and how the the communication, the, the basics of theater is not just the performance, but is so much a part of, includes the audience. And, and we're really missing that. So we've been trying to find ways to just keep in contact with people. And so what we're doing now, and we're starting this weekend, is eight weekends, eight different programs. And what we're going to do is we're going to record a short 30-minute production and then have it on Zoom and invite people to join us on Zoom. And then following that, have a talkback or a discussion, exploration of the performance that they've just seen and heard. And so it's, it's the closest thing that we're seeing at this point to having a live audience. And rather than just streaming it, we're hoping that the Zoom will open up opportunities for people to be able to really feel connected, more connected than they would if they're just watching it like they'd be watching a TV show or a movie. So we're going to try it, see how it works. Uh, the first one is this weekend and then for eight, eight weekends. The first three we recorded uh, this last Saturday, and so they're ready to go. And our first Zoomed staged reading, and they are staged readings so that the actors are not facing each other. They are physically distanced and in many cases have masks on except when they're speaking directly into the microphone, and, and it works. So this first one that we're doing, we just learned about it a couple months ago called Blessings from the Pandemic by a playwright that we're familiar with, Rich Orloff, who is in New York City. He writes a lot of short plays, a lot of short play collections. They're usually comedies. They're usually on the risk, 
well, I wouldn't say usually, but often on the risque side and just a lot of fun, and he's written a lot. So it was kind of strange to come across this announcement that he had written a poetry cycle because he's not a poet. And and then I was a little concerned about the title, Blessings from the Pandemic. You know, it's kind of hard to see those two words, Blessings and Pandemic, in the same title. But I was when I started reading them, then I was hooked. They are, I think, in the last five or six years, I, I've always enjoyed poetry, but in the last five or six years, I've really begun to see how poetry can be transformative and really enrich our lives and, and helping us to see things in new ways. And this cycle, there are 60 poems in the whole thing. He started writing them last March. And as he says, it's not over yet, but they're ready for theaters to perform them. And he encourages theaters to pick the ones that they feel speak most to them. So I had a committee of people just read through them all and pick the ones that really spoke to them. And then I just kind of gathered the ones that got the most votes. And uh, we got eight actors together and a couple of them are brand new to Hamilton Gibson. Some of them have only been in maybe one of our shows. A couple of them have been in a lot. And they each read three poems. And then the first and the last one, they, they do together. And it, it works. At least it works for us, for them performing it and reading it. And so we'll see how, how, how it comes across on the screen this weekend. Well, it sounds like such a brave project and yet a needed project because I think we do need the arts to help us come to terms with what we've been going through. And sometimes, as you say, poetry can do it as well as anything. And then you add the dimension of the oral quality of presenting these words. It sounds like it could be very powerful indeed. Uh, I, I think so. Some of them are very moving and with even the short amount of time that we've been working on it, the actors all have really found them to be helpful in, in seeing some things uh, that we've all gone through in the last year in a new way, in a, in a hopeful way. And it does that. And you mentioned about the arts helping us through difficult times. And our children's choirs began in 1996 as a result of a play that we did called I Never Saw Another Butterfly. And we use this short little play, which is about the children who went through Terezin in Czechoslovakia, which, is a, which was a concentration camp, and created by the Nazis to be a model, kind of a propaganda tool, so that they would show how wonderful they were treating all of the people who they had in internment camps. And, but in this camp, there were musicians and artists and... and all sorts of playwrights and poets, but they encourage the children to write poetry, to paint, to sketch, and so both in the Holocaust Museum in D.C. and also in the Czech Republic, in the museum there, there are displays of hundreds and hundreds of poems that these children wrote and paintings that they used whatever they could find and sketches with charcoal on the back of bills or, or any piece of paper that they could find. They were all 
sealed up and buried and, and weren't discovered until way after the war. But it was an attempt for by the adults to help the children to just to be able to live like a human being. And it was the arts that did that. So that, that was the impetus. So uh, we, we included some music. Some of the poems have been set to music. And so we had 80-some children who were singing this back in 96. Actually, that, that, that performance was in 93. And a powerful music, powerful poems written by these children who were 10,000 kids who went through Terezin, and only 100 were alive at the end of the war. But it was the arts that kept them human. And so as a result of that, uh, that we had such a response by the children in the area that we thought we need to provide an opportunity for kids to be able to sing some really powerful and transformative music. So in any event, th- these poems are tremendously uplifting and fun and thoughtful. And um, could I read one or two of them? Yes, please. Okay. So, as I said, there are 60 of them in in the whole collection, and I'll I'll just read a couple of them. I mean, any of them I could just pull out of the hat, perhaps, and and they would... They're all great. But the first one is called A Prayer About Grace. I have no idea what this day will bring, but of this prediction I am confident. Today will bring opportunities to practice grace. I will say and do stupid things, Friends will aggravate and disappoint. Life will not always live up to my expectation of what life should be. So thank you, universe, for the chance to practice grace. Perhaps the most delicious spice in this spice rack of forgiveness. Grace acknowledges that we will fall short, that we are broken and flawed. Grace embraces that we are human and best of all, accepts that we need be nothing more. So that's one. Here's another one. A reflection on masks. I Every time I put mine on uh, and I'm walking down the street or whatever, it's just, who would have thought a year ago masks would be such part of our lives? And I wonder how we'll look on it here five years from now or something when we look back at our year of masks. Uh, A reflection on masks. Masks. I feel fervently about wearing them, and I usually carry an extra just in case. When I'm walking down the sidewalk and someone passes me who isn't wearing a mask, sometimes I'll say something, sometimes I'll swerve to avoid them. Whether or not I speak up often depends on whether or not I'm afraid they'll beat me up. On the subway the other day, Everyone sits a safe distance apart. Everyone is wearing a mask until a kid in his 20s enters. Black hoodie, black sneakers, gray sweatpants, wearing earbuds, absorbed in his phone, looking like he doesn't give a damn about anything. I try to ignore him, but that's not one of my strengths. I finally catch his eye and say the simple word, mask. What? he asks. You should wear a mask, I say, already worrying if I should have just kept quiet. He says he's broke. I offer him my spare. He takes it and thanks me, puts it on, and returns to his seat. 
Actually, I don't think anyone is likely to beat me up if I say something. Still, I have to overcome a primal fear every time I say, mask. Uh, and really, you mentioned earlier about hearing these poems, and the really wonderful thing is we have eight different people, so there are eight, and in choosing these people, they all have distinctive voices. So they're all seated around, I mean, quite a ways from three different microphones, and they come up one at a time to a microphone and take off their mask when they're speaking directly to the microphone and then put it back on. But uh, even if they kept their masks on or even if we couldn't see them, it would be really clear just the different feel and tone of each of each voice. So it's, it's really, I love that. Okay, here's... A reflection on a new relationship. Today marks one month since that fateful day when I awoke to discover that my beloved microwave had died. My old microwave and I understood each other. I knew how to push its buttons, and it responded exactly as I wanted. It satisfied me every time. My new microwave, its buttons are all in the wrong places, what used to take one button now takes five. What used to come out the exact right temperature is now half too hot and half too cold. I've read the new manual a dozen times, and my microwave just sits there oblivious to my needs. As I grumble to myself, I never needed a manual for my old microwave. I just keep asking, just tell me what I'm supposed to do, and it just glares back ugly. I'm tempted to suggest we seek appliance counseling, but this machine refuses to admit it has any flaws. It's possible by now you're thinking, I'm obsessing about this too much. There are so many bigger problems in the world, so many tragedies every single day. I agree with you completely. So much is overwhelming. So much is out of my control. So I'd rather focus my fury on my new microwave. Perhaps its best feature is that it accepts my contempt. We all need a place for our rage, and mine is on my kitchen counter. <laughs> Thank you, and all well-read, Thomas. And it does give us a range. And so this will be weekend one? That's right. The whole series will be on Saturday nights at 7.30 and Sundays at 2.30. And uh, we kept those times because those are usual times for our regular live performances. So we thought, well, there's something to be said for continuity. But it's a Zoom meeting, so you have to log in to Zoom. And the code is posted on our website and our Facebook page. If you just go to our, our website, which is hamiltongibson.org, just straight across, no, no dots or periods or anything, hamiltongibson.org, and it's on there and also on our Facebook page, which is Hamilton Gibson Productions. And just check in. It's free, absolutely free of charge. There's no admission fee. Just click on. We encourage people to stay on after the production and talk, but if they don't want to talk, they can just listen. They're free to listen, and uh, I, I think it'll be a good time. 
All of these productions are different. The next one, the week after the second one in the series, is a 30-minute play by a playwright from the Pittsburgh area, F.J. Hartland, and the title of the play is Postcards from a Dead Dog. And it is hilariously funny and incredibly moving at the same time. It's a great little 30-minute play. The third in the series is Three by Thurber, and one of our actors has taken some short stories by James Thurber that were in the New Yorker decades and decades ago and turned them into little two-person staged readings. So that's, that's just lots of fun. So I think we're all one of, I mean, the title of this first one is Blessings from the Pandemic, and I think one of the blessings from the pandemic is it's pushing us out of our comfort zones, and it's, it's pushing us outside of the box, and it's really encouraging us to be creative in ways that we never thought possible before. So that's a good thing. Thomas Putnam, Artistic Director of Hamilton Gibson Productions in Wellsboro in Tioga County, speaking about the series of staged readings of short plays to be held on eight consecutive Saturdays and Sundays, beginning this weekend and ending on Sunday, April 11th. There will be talkbacks following each performance, and admission is free. The first stage reading, as we heard, is this Saturday evening at 7.30 and again Sunday at 2.30. A new work by playwright Rich Orloff, and Orloff has composed a poetry cycle in five movements called Blessings from the Pandemic. We'll hear selections chosen by Hamilton Gibson artists to present during the sessions on Saturday, February 20th at 7.30 and again Sunday, February 21st at 2.30 p.m. And for the entire list, you can check the Hamilton Gibson website and also to get the links to each event. HamiltonGibson.org, HamiltonGibson.org, and also the Facebook page, which is Hamilton Gibson Productions. It is a series of staged readings of short plays and the like to be held on eight consecutive weekends, beginning this weekend and ending on Sunday, April 11th, presented by Hamilton Gibson Productions in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. And for more information on the web, hamiltongibson.org.